0: You're listening to a sermon from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. For more sermons or information about our church, please visit ktnaz.org or like Ketchikan Naz on Facebook. <laughs> good morning. I'm sorry, Pastor Peter handed it to me and then he came back. So, God is good, isn't He? Let's have a word of prayer. We ask for God to speak to our hearts. Father, today, Lord Jesus, as we present your word, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. It is your spirit that speaks dearly into our hearts and our lives. And I ask God right now, let your spirit use these words that you may touch our hearts. That out of it, Lord, we may respond to you. We just ask that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guess where we are. Turn to Matthew chapter 9. And, uh, you know, this is a funny chapter, because the last time he asked me to preach, it was chapter uh, uh, 8, and it was virtually on the healing. Okay, so it's interesting, he gives this, me, this one back again to me, except it's a little bit different. But uh, if you can, uh, I want to start out at chapter 9, verse 18. And I'm going to start out with just a few words to begin with. While he was saying these things to them, while he was saying, that means in the process of things, in the process of life, one of the things I've loved about Pastor Peter being here is the fact is he likes to have fun. Okay? And I don't know about you, but when Jesus' day, when they learned the things of God, they learned them from their parents. Matter of fact, their dad would take the son when he's old enough and he'd go with him to work, whether it's in the fields or it's in the pasture or in the print shop, you know, where Jesus himself had to learn how to do carpentry. Today, we can't quite always do that, but we have other ways. And a lot of the life lessons that he talks about the kingdom of heaven happens to be on the way to something. You know, what we learn about God is not just what we do on Sunday. It's supposed to be what we do throughout the whole week. And the messages of Jesus here tells us, on the process of my life, I'm going to tell you these principles of God. Now, most of you know... uh, What's this? Now, why do you think I have this ball today? (laughs) No, actually, you know why I have this one today? Now, I do understand the World Cup's coming up, isn't it? When is it? You it's, t- already it's already started? So you guys are here instead of watching the World Cup? Okay. Well, be honest with you. The reason I asked for this is I just asked for a ball. I didn't know the World Cup was happening today. My son says this is the only ball I could find. Well, I have learned something very, very important. Uh, I need a volunteer. Oh, right there. Come over here for a second. Right? You stand right over here. Okay, let's catch that. Now, can you throw back? You're really good at that. Can you bounce it back to me? Okay, look. Now, the reason I'm doing this is, you know, when I was younger... Keep going, keep going. He is doing so good. Okay, go ahead and sit down. How about you? Okay? Okay? Now, each time we do this, we learn something. In the course of my day, when I was a young person, I learned something how to teach. And it was right out of college, don't ask me why, my first year of college back when I was 19 years old, I think it is, believe it or not, I was that, that young once. I'm as old as dirt now, yes, I know that. But in turn, is I learned that the people learn best when they're having fun in the course of their day. And a lot of the lessons we learn is on the way to something else. And Jesus teaches the lessons of the kingdom of God on the way of the course of his life. When we teach our young people, they learn best not on Sunday, believe it or not, in the course of their day throughout the week. And the principles of the kingdom of God needs to be taught every single day. When we learn, we have to apply them to our life of where we live. And the Jews knew this. This is the way the Jews lived. The lessons that they taught were taught by their parents in the course of the day. We teach them by the fun we have. It's not that it's just that we have fun, but we have to apply the things that we do know. Now, so in the course of the day, there are certain principles of the kingdom of God that begin to be taught. And if you'll turn back to Matthew chapter 9, verse 18, we're going to read while he, was on, while he was saying these things to them. A synagogue official came and bowed down before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Then Jesus got up and began to follow him, and so did his disciples. Now he's in the process, right? Guess what happens? Something else comes up. And a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she was saying to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will get well. But Jesus turning, seeing her, said, daughter, your, your, excuse me, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. When Jesus came into the Jewish officials house, he saw a flute players and a crowd in noisy disorder. And he says, leave for this girl is not dead, but she is asleep. And they began to laugh laughing at him. And when the crowd had been sent out, he entered and took her by the hand, and the girl got up, and the news spread throughout all the the land. Now this is a sandwich. In the course of what was going on, something happened. I always find out the real character of a person is by what happens or how they handle the things in life. And Jesus, in the course of things, got up from the very first thing. And I want you to understand there's three principles that happen here. The first thing is, it says, in the very first, is my daughter has died, but come lay your hand on her and she will live. Not she might live, but she will live. He didn't question, it wasn't the fact is, can Jesus happen, it might heal him, but he will heal him. Now the interesting thing, if you go all the way back, and for those of you who weren't back, the last time I preached, I actually pre- preached on this, uh, the centurion. And the centurion was, had a great faith. God actually, he stood up and he, he says, "If he, you know, uh, you know, Jesus was going to get up and go where he is and he's going to heal his servant for him. And he says, you don't even have to do that, Jesus. Just say it. Because you're in authority. And this man had a great faith, didn't he? To where he, all he had, Jesus had to say it. He didn't even have to touch him. This, this, this guy here says, Jesus, come and touch that marvelous touch of Jesus. The marvelous touch that heals. If you would just come and touch. Now, the interesting thing is there's two things that happened. Number one, the synagogue fisher bowed. That means he brought he came to God with humility. There was no arrogance in this one. This was official. This was a ruler. The first one was what? A centurion back in chapter number eight. Chapter nine, it's also ruler. Now, the most amazing thing about that, God is saying it doesn't matter who you are. For the very next woman that comes for him, and is, which comes, and in the midst of all this that's going on, he comes and he bows down and he lays in front of it, Jesus, if you would do this. And you know what Jesus does? What does he do? He gets up and goes where the need is. You see, the most marvelous thing about the kingdom of God is God will always go where your need is. It doesn't matter where it is or it doesn't matter what happens in your life, He's going to go and make sure you're okay. You know, he's like that, he is that perpetual father. If something happened to my kid, I don't care. Whatever happens, if he needs me, I'm going to be there where he's going to have that need. And I'm going to make sure it's done. God's the same way he's going to say, I'm going to make sure I'm there for your need. Wherever that need is going to be, whatever it is in your life, whatever the circumstance in your life, I'm going to be there because I'm going to make sure that need gets my touch. So God, first of all, will always go no matter where you are. That is a principle of the kingdom of God that we have to run over in our head and understand that. You're not going to run, you're not going to be a situation. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're an official, you're a centurion, or you're this woman. Now, this woman that comes before him is amazing. This woman comes and she is she is destitute. Matter of fact, she has been bleeding for 12 years. Now that that, that verse, that, the word bleeding, the only, there's one other time it's used in the scriptures back in Leviticus, chapter 15. In chapter 15 devotes a whole chapter to this woman. And you know what happens? is What happens, the bleeding is, it was something that was unclean. When you were bleeding, you, are, you were considered unclean. You were to go off by yourself. You were not to touch anybody else. A husband couldn't have relationships with you. Uh, matter of fact, if you sat down on a chair, that chair would be defiled. If someone touched you, you would be defiled. Whatever you touch. So this woman, when this happened to her, is she was ostracized from all society. She couldn't go to church because she was unclean. She couldn't go to the assembly of believers. Matter of fact, when they got to know that this woman was at that point, they would actually probably walk around her afraid they might be touched by this woman because she was unclean. And this happened for 12 years of isolation. In one of the other Gospels, it takes this this, uh, uh, point, and he says, you know what? This woman had also spent everything she had to get better. She spent her whole income to get out of this isolation life. And you know what happened? She was now poverty-stricken because she's given everything. This woman has, to a point, without hope... She could not be in a crowd. And what does she do? She is so desperate right now. She just says, if I can just touch the cloak. Did you know touching that cloak would have defiled Jesus? According to the book of Leviticus. This woman's said of everything. If I could just sneak up behind him in the crowd, nobody noticed, and I could touch just to him, I'll be Well. And you know what? She does that. She gave everything she had. She was so desperate in her life. And you know what? That's the place that we should be. We need to get desperate. We need to come and say, you know, no matter what, Jesus, I don't know what's going to happen to you, but I am going to give everything I have. And I'm going to devote my... This woman took her life in their hands by going through this crowd. Knowing that if anybody knew and saw her and recognized her and knew that, she would be fair game. They would drive her out. But she sacrificed everything just to touch Jesus, to be made alive again. (laughs) And immediately when she did, she was healed. She was, number one, as humble as you could possibly be. You couldn't be more humble in a situation like that for 12 years, being ostracized from everybody in society. But the second thing is that right now is the way we all need to be. Do you know that's the very foundation? That, that's that, that right there in a nutshell was the foundation of the Nazarene Church. She gave everything she had to God. Her life. She risked everything just to touch him. When we get to that point and say, God, I whatever happens, it's yours. Whatever I am, it's yours. Whatever happens in my life, it's yours. And put your faith on him. You know what happens? Miracles happen. Now, we don't like this miracles today. I understand that. Matter of fact... I live in a world where sometimes, you know, a lot of the times in in counseling, they they talk about miracles a lot, too. Do you know that? But what they do is they've changed the tone. When God does something miraculous, we all of a sudden change it because the world has to put it in the world terms. They don't understand this word faith. They say faith is a good thing, but they don't say what faith in. They said they recognize all society today, all universities and colleges recognize faith is a powerful thing, but they won't say who faith in. they got to put it in their terms. Just faith. That's what heals you. That's not true. It's God through His grace and mercy that heals. But the world takes it and turns it so that they understand it. Because we only understand the scientific principle if I can't prove it out, that it can't be true. Matter of fact, when you go back to all our history, even some of the most great scientific minds, the earliest president, Thomas Jefferson, had a scientific mind frame. Matter of fact, so much so that his scientific mind frame would take the Bible that he just understood that there's a huge amount of wisdom there. He knew. And you know what he did? He took it and he took out all the miracles in the Bible. So Thomas Jefferson's Bible had all the miracles removed, and only that that was not a miraculous thing that he would keep into it. And people say, well, this is, this is where the man struggled with. Everybody struggles. This is where his struggle was. But he was also the first president that started worship services in the White House. He was a president, was always there to hear the message of God. So even though he had his struggles in life, he still saw something miraculous that he couldn't understand. We live in a world today where almost every year, how many times we say that the science is going to prove it different. The miraculous is really don't happen. It just means we don't understand it yet. But the reality is, no, that's not it. The thing that makes the difference is the touch of Jesus in your life. I can teach my kids everything that the Bible could possibly teach. And we should. We can raise them up all we can, but it still goes. It goes back to the thing. It takes the touch of Jesus to change a life. And in the touching that Jesus would reach out, miracles happen. In your life, in my life, and around this world, it isn't going to happen any other way it's going to require God to do the touching. This woman could do all that she possibly could do, but it took Jesus to change and make her well, and she did. He restored her life. Matter of fact, this is a scary moment for this woman. Could you imagine coming out there, and all of a sudden, the next thing, Jesus turned around saying, somebody touched me, I felt something. And she turns around to this woman that is there, and and she says, your faith has made you well. Matter of fact, the word faith made well means an ongoing. It doesn't mean it just did it once. It's saying you have chosen to do something and continue to choose to do something. You are well. Her life totally changed at that point. All of a sudden, she wouldn't be ostracized from society anymore. She would allow her to be in church. Her friends could be around it. She could have normal relationships with her husband. All the aspects happened because of the touch of Jesus. She was completely restored. She had life. And that life comes by the touch of Jesus. Second part of this verse. Now, after uh, the the woman was made well, verse 23 says, When Jesus came to the official's house, he saw the flute players and the the crowd in noisy disorder, and he says, Leave this girl for this girl is not dead, but she is asleep. And they began laughing at her. I guarantee you right now is if you talk about Jesus and faith in God and what he's done in your life, the world's going to laugh at you. It does. It'll look at you and say, well, there he goes again. He's a little bit crazy, isn't he? "Oh, Oh, yeah, one of those Jesus freaks. I remember when I was, I swore when I was a teenager I made fun of Jesus freaks. I wasn't a Christian. I looked at them as, as the craziest people in the world until Jesus touched me. And then I became a Jesus freak. It takes the touch of Jesus to change the heart. And that's what happens here. When the world laughs, understand. It laughed at Jesus. It'll make fun of you. But in the course of your life, when Jesus touches you, he sets you on a new level of life that the world will never know. An ability to overcome things that nobody else can. But when the crowd had been sent out, Jesus entered and took her by her hand and the girl got up. And the news spread throughout the land. You see, that word heal is the same word that we use for made whole. It's virtually the same word that actually means to be saved. To be brought up. To be given new life. To be made complete. And that's what Jesus does with our lives. He makes us complete. And by doing so, guess what happens? We enter into a new relationship. So the rest of the world today is going to make fun of you if you profess the name of Jesus Christ. If you live according to the faith, you can expect the world to make fun of you. But you know what? That's okay. You know why? Because the life that He's going to give you is going to be more valuable to you than anything else. Now, does that mean things are going to go right for you all the time? Man, anybody tells me they come to know the Lord and their life is always great, I'll tell you, I don't understand that. But I do understand this, is you're never alone. he will go to wherever your need is anytime you have a need. And some of us have needs today, right now. There's things that are going on in our lives that we just need Jesus' touch. The principles of the kingdom is this. When we come to him recognizing that I've done everything I can do. See, this woman did everything she could possibly do, didn't she? She sacrificed. She spent all her income. She did everything she possibly could. She didn't stop. And you know what happened? Jesus reached out and touched it. Some of you may need to do somebody something. You may need to go to somebody. You may need to talk to somebody. There may be something that you haven't done. I had some dear friends back in Idaho and I, my heart bleeds for them because they thought they actually got to a point where they refused to even go to the doctors. They says, I'll just believe. He says, well, wait a minute. Did you do everything you can to get well? You know what happens? Sometimes we need to go to the doctors. That's something that we need to do. That's our part of being to do the equation I did. This woman actually did the same thing. She went to the doctors first. She couldn't get the answers there. So guess what? I'm out of luck. I've tried everything else. All I got left, Jesus is here. I need to bring it to him. And she brought it to Jesus. Some of you may need to bring it to Jesus and lay it at him and say, Jesus, this is where my need is. I need you to touch me there. For some, you need to still do something. I don't know what it is. Only you and God really knows that. But there are others of you that have a relationship that is so out of whack right now that you probably need something to happen, right? Maybe there's something that you can't rectify. Maybe you need to lay that in front of Jesus and say, God, would you help me with this area right here? Now, the truth is, only God knows and you know what that is. The Holy Spirit speaks to us in different ways. But whatever it is, you know you need God's touch. I'm going to ask you right now. Do you know where it is? What your need is? Has the Holy Spirit spoken to you? You do? Just show me your hand. I want to know. Okay. okay. All right. Now, if you don't know what it is, and you don't know you do have a need there and you're not sure what it is, ask God to speak to you. God will also show it. He says He'll give you. If you don't have wisdom, you'll ask for it. Now some of you say, well, I never thought of asking for wisdom. Well, guess what? God says He'll give you to you if you ask. So maybe you need to ask God for wisdom to be able to handle the situations you're facing. I want you to take your eye and just bow your heads for a moment right now. Father, you, in the course of your life, taught many things. The one principle that we do understand is we know we need to bring it to you. And Father, I'm asking today, Lord Jesus, that you would reach out and speak to my heart and speak to all of our hearts. You know the point of need that I, you have. You know the point of need I have in each and every one of us. And I'm asking God right now that you would show that to us. I also ask God that you give us the courage that this woman would have to be able to lay it all out there for you. And Father, I'm asking God for your healing presence in the midst. We need your touch. So Father, as we come before you, Lord, we lay our need in front of you right now. And we ask for you to touch us. That Lord, you may take care of it. For Father, we put our trust in you completely and wholly. Father, today, Lord, we commit the situation to you. We commit our very being to you. We ask God that you would take that, make us whole, renew us, and set us on the course and path that is your design. We ask that now in Jesus' name. And everyone said...